through bite-sized epic reworks of Edward Grieg, George Friedrich Handel, Richard Wagner, and many more, the Ostrogothic Fantasy Orchestra has released a new album, Watch the Vatican, which is available now. Watch the Vatican includes 13 drummed-up tracks and will introduce the world of classical music to both young and old. Music is a great way to awaken sleeping souls and raise anyone's vibration to the next level. So head over to gothokestra.com to listen now. If you like what you hear, consider purchasing a digital copy of the album on Bandcamp. That's gothokestra.com. G-O-T-H-O-C-H-E-S-T-R-A dot com. And keep in mind, the monogram of the nine is with us all the way. Back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Sheila Seppi. First, a couple of announcements. If you want to advertise with us, email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. We have unbeatable pricing for our advertising. Our website is forbiddenknowledge.news, also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You'll find some of your favorite podcasts from our community there. Forbidden Knowledge News is always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Check out Rockfin. That's where you get our premium content and all the premium content from every creator on Rockfin for only $10 a month. You can also create a free account and get access to everyone's free content, including all our regular shows. Just go to rockfin.com slash FKN plus. That's R-O-K-F-I-N dot com slash FKN plus to sign up now. Today I want to welcome Sheila Seppi. She is a soul exchange walk-in. She entered into a body of a 38-year-old mother with three children and was instantaneously healed from documented illnesses and took on a new personality with spiritual gifts and memories she didn't even believe in. She now works the higher dimensional frequencies to empower others to embrace their own higher natures through a variety of services. She is founder of the WISH Alliance, as well as Cosmic Conversations, Conscious Awakening Series, and the founder of Spirit Way Ministries. Sheila, welcome. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks so much for the invite. I'm excited to be here. 
Yes, it's great to have you on. Uh, this is going to be a super interesting conversation. You call yourself a walk-in, which is basically, uh, from my understanding, a soul from someone or something that has taken over the physical body of a different person. Uh, now, I am familiar with this phenomena, although you are my first guest actually claiming to be a walk-in, so this is going to be very interesting. Your story is quite incredible. I can't wait to present this to the audience for each and every person to decide for themselves what really they believe. I personally find your story and information very compelling based on what you've presented and written about. So this is going to be great. Let's start from the beginning, though. Um, tell us your story. Okay. okay. Well, first, I have to let everyone know, if this had not happened to me, I probably wouldn't believe it. Because I grew up uh, with a very a firm belief, a very religious belief. I had a Southern background and, you know, you, you went to church, you, you tried to do good your whole life. You um, died, you go to heaven, you go to hell, all of those types of thought processes is what I grew up with. And also I had a very limited belief system because anything outside of that was not true for me. So what happened to me is in my 20s, I began to experience a whole host of illnesses, starting um, with a sensation in my face that led me to go to a neurologist who told me that I had the beginning stages of multiple sclerosis. I possibly could have brain tumors and that I needed to uh, prepare myself to be in a wheelchair by the time I was 40 years old. So they said the only way they could know about the brain tumors to be for sure was to take some type of a biopsy to which I said, thank you, but no, thank you. And life went on. However, I continued to um, feel worse and worse, have more and more symptoms of uh, being very lethargic. So I found out then that I had chronic fatigue syndrome. I had fibromyalgia. And so those conditions continued to get worse into my 30s, at which time I was walking down my staircase. I put my hand on the railing and my clavicle shattered. I went to the hospital, they took the x-rays, and they said, we don't understand what's going on, but your entire clavicle is shattered. We're sending you to Duke University. Uh, the next thing I knew, I had an oncologist and was told that I had bone cancer and that the bone had thinned out to the point that just that little bit of pressure had caused the bone to shatter. So I underwent the surgery. And guess what? They got in there. I did not have a shattered bone, nor did I have bone cancer. I had miraculously healed. And they had absolutely no explanation for that whatsoever. Um, they said, well, we guess there was just a misdiagnosis. We don't understand it. But the good news is you don't have bone cancer. They sent me home, which I was really glad of because they had told me they were going to have to remove my clavicle bone, and they were going to replace it with hip bone. Uh, and it would take me about six months to recover from the surgery and learning to rewalk. So life goes on and I continue to feel worse and worse to the point where now the next thing I know is I have the beginning stages of rheumatoid arthritis. It was very difficult for me to open and close my hands. And I lived on Celebrex. 
books and thought that was the greatest thing in the world. That enabled me to have some mobility. Now, you also have to remember, when I came in, I entered the body of a 38-year-old woman with three children. And so I have these three kids that I'm also helping to take care of. I find myself, I'm in a dysfunctional marriage and really... um, I don't think for the person that I was, things could have not gotten much worse because I had a dysfunctional personality. I was in a dysfunctional marriage. I had all these health issues. I'm trying to raise three children that I can't even play with. And I'm spending most of my time on the couch um, and I'm playing with my kids in the floor. OK, so they're in the floor and we're playing well, together. At this point, have you, your person, your current incarnation taken over this body? No, I'm just trying to give you a little backstory. Um, And then what happened is I went to bed in this condition. And what felt like to me about seven o'clock the next morning, it seemed as if someone reached down, grabbed me by the hair of my head, pulled me bolt right up in bed. And it was like lightning ran through my body. And then I found myself in white space. And I don't know how long I was in this white space, but I know I was out of pain. I felt very comfortable and I had this peace and unconditional love that I had really never experienced in my life. And then the next thing I know, my peripheral vision starts coming in. Then my frontal vision comes in as I'm sitting there looking around the room. Everything is the same, but everything is different. And I don't know how. All I know is I'm sitting right up in bed. So when I get up out of bed and I'm walking towards the restroom, I catch my reflection on in the mirror and I'm just mesmerized. I'm standing there. I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at my teeth and my hair and, and my skin. And it was as if I was looking out of someone else's eyes. And I'm like, okay, well, this is weird too. I don't know what's going on. And then I'm feeling the sensation of the carpet beneath my feet. And it's like, ooh, this is gushy. I like this, you know, and all, everything was just like brand new. I would pick things up and hold them in my hand and look at them and turn them over, you know, side to side. It was as if all of the clothing in the room was talking to me and saying, oh, you wore this here and you need to fold this up. And, you know, I'm hearing all these voices in my my head, which I had never heard before. Then I'm seeing people in my room that are not there. And so immediately I'm like, okay, now my background was in psychology. So I thought I was having a psychotic break because of the illness, the kids, everything. I thought, okay, everything has just gotten to me, this dysfunctional marriage, me, whatever it is, I'm I'm losing it. And I just want to ask you, did you come in with the memories of this previous person? No, I did not. And so as I'm walking through the house and I'm looking at everything, and like I said, everything felt like it was brand new. Now, I knew I had three children. I knew I was married and I knew, you know, basic things. I had a job where I worked, that kind of thing. But I had no connection to any of that. I had an immediate love for my parents, but I grew up, my mom was one of 18 children. So obviously there was a large family. I had no connection with any of those cousins. Now, over time, I've regained that and I really appreciate that. But when I came in, I had no connection to anyone but my three children and my parents. And so when the husband comes home and I'm spending a little time with him, I'm like, 
holy crap, why am I married to this guy? I don't understand what's going on. So within three months, I had left the marriage. And within another three months, I had moved to a different state. And by this time, six months has gone by and I'm convinced that I have just totally lost it. And I was looking for a counselor because psychology felt very comfortable to me. And I found an ad in the back of the telephone directory. Of course, you know, 23 years ago, we still used those, not Google. But I'm looking through the telephone directory and I find an ad for spiritual counseling. So I called the number, made an appointment. I went and talked with the lady. I told her everything that I was experiencing. And um, throughout our conversations, she said, well, I, I'm sorry, but based on what's going on, I don't find any indication that you've had a psychotic break. Well, that just, I was like, what do you mean? I don't have a, what's going on? Give me a blue pill, write me a prescription. I need, I need this to go away. Um, and she proceeds to talk with me about walk-ins. Now, that's the first time I had ever heard that term. And to be honest, when I left, I had such mixed feelings. There was anger. There was, I was afraid. I had all this, all of these emotions, but everything resonated true. So obviously, I get to the car and I'm making my next appointment. And so through working with her, I understand that I understood that a walk-in is a soul that has made an arrangement, an agreement with a soul that inhabits a body, the natal or the original soul, to change places with them. And that concept just blew the doors right off of my house because I didn't believe that such a thing could be possible. Okay. And so the more I sat with it, the more true it felt for me. Well, this counselor also happened to be a um, woman of Hopi lineage, and she had women's circles that she invited me to come to. And through that, I learned shamanic journey. Okay. And I was able to travel to the upper world, to the lower world. And it was there that I met my spiritual guides and my teachers. And they literally took me by the hand and they began to teach me about who I was. And that was the first time, you know, because all of these things are leading up. So now we're looking at maybe about nine months. But in that nine months, that was the first time that I had any true peace about who I was, because obviously I'm going through a divorce. I've moved to a different state. I've had to move the children to a state where I didn't have any support. Uh, so I'm having to build all of these connections and everything. And these circle women provided that connection for me. I had built-in family. I had built-in aunties who helped me with the children. And it was in this nurturing environment that it gave me the flexibility to kind of let my guard down and really begin to investigate who I really was and what had happened to me. Because even at nine months, even though I knew and accepted that I was a walk-in, it was still hard to wrap my brain around. How do you, how can a soul leave and how can a new one come in? Plus the other thing is when I first walked in, I had all of these memories, which we would now call past life memories, just flooding my body. 
I didn't even believe in past lives. Someone had tried to share with me Shirley McLean's book out on a limb, and I laughed. I said, boy, that's the biggest excuse for non-personal responsibility. What do you mean past lives? Uh, you know, I was so limited in my beliefs. And then I started remembering truths about the universe. And for me, what my guides were trying to tell me and how things were put together and how walk-ins came in, I'd never studied anything. Like I'd never even heard the word walk-in. And then I also started remembering healing modalities that I had never studied or even had an interest in because up until this point, you know, Western medicine, in my opinion, had been my God and these medications is what was keeping me alive. So immediately, not only did I not have full memory of the person before, I my personality 100% changed. I started eating differently. I started dressing differently. Everything about me was different. And it was to the point where my mom actually sat me down on the couch and said, look, I want you to make a doctor's appointment because I think you have the beginning stages of Alzheimer's because I couldn't remember anything. And she, you know, and I, I finally just said, look, mom, the reason I don't remember is I'm what's called a walk-in. And I went through the process and explained as best I could to her my knowledge of what was happening to me. The first words out of her mouth was, you mean I'm not your mom? And I'm like, no, you are my mom, just to a new and improved version. And that was okay with her. She never asked me any more questions, um, nothing. And I didn't tell my dad uh, that I was a walk-in until the book Walk-In's Cosmology of the Soul was ready to come out the next day. And when I explained it to him, um, he just, he kind of looked at me because I said, you know, you remember when I was really, really sick and then all of a sudden all my symptoms went away? He's like, yeah. And I said, and do you remember when, because he had experienced, been on the receiving end of my clairvoyance and clairaudience and clairsentient. And uh, I said, so do you remember when all these things begin to happen? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, well, that's because I'm a walk-in. And he sat there for a minute and I explained to him about a walk-in. He goes, oh, you mean that's when Jesus healed your body and you received gifts of the spirit. I'm like, exactly, Dad. <laughs> so I, I was able to meet him at his level of understanding. Yeah. I was able to meet my mom and they totally accept me. You know, I came into a, a very nurturing and supporting physical family and I had my spiritual family. And it was because of those things, I was able to continue to have that flexibility to grow and to nurture these concepts and to study without anyone really ridiculing me. And, you know, I find that sometimes people who are walk-ins, when they explain things to their family, they want to have them locked up. And either that or they are like, okay, well, you're a demon and we don't want anything to do with you. And when I first came out, and I was publicizing my book, Walk-Ins, I did get, um, I guess you could say it's hate mail. I got a lot of stuff on Facebook and different things saying, you're a body snatcher, you're a demon, you possess this body. And I really had to sit and think where they were coming from because, you know, they didn't understand that a walk-in situation cannot happen 
unless there is an agreement with the previous soul. So the previous soul that inhabited this body was finished. They only needed to be born and experience childhood and experience adulthood and experience the birth process for children. That's all they needed. I, on the other hand, didn't need any of that. I needed an adult form in which to carry out my mission, which is to be a way shower, to help people wake up, to expand their consciousness and to help them prepare for this ascension and this time that we're living in right now. And so when I understood that, I felt a lot better. But I had talked with my guides about this many, many times, and they always assured me you had an agreement. It was instantaneous in your case, but it was an agreement. When the soul of this body cried out to be released, it was decided I would be the aspect to come in. And it happened in just a split second. But most of the time, with walk-ins, there is an agreement that's part of their birth plan. Because before each person here that's listening, everybody on this planet incarnates, we have a birth plan. You can look at it kind of like our agenda for this lifetime. What is it we're hoping to achieve? What, you know, what do we want to learn about? Do we want to learn about suffering? Do we want to learn about unconditional love? Do we want to learn about forgiveness? What is it? that we're incarnating to learn what experience are we hoping to have? And most souls will write, they're like, I, you know, I really only, I want to go back and experience the explosion, that mitosis, when the energy is beginning to really grow and all this creation aspect. So I'm going to incarnate with consciousness intact, which typically is not the case, but I'm going to incarnate and experience all of that. But I'm going to incarnate into a mother that will um, either have a miscarriage or may choose to have an abortion because I don't need to be born. I don't want any of that. And so they will make an agreement on the other side that they'll come in to a situation where they will not be born, but they just get to experience that creative process. Or they may say, you know, I really only need that childhood. I want, I want that babyhood. I want to, I want to feel that love and that unconditional support of a family. And so they'll be born into a family that really loves and nurtures this baby, but maybe at an early age, this baby will pass due to an illness of some sort. Or they may say, hey, I need to experience just the old age aspect. So I need to make an agreement with someone who at the age of 55 or 65 is going to have an automobile accident. That soul's going to leave. I'm going to come in and I'm going to finish out that life cycle. And so walk-ins come in at various stages and they can come in because of accidents or chronic illnesses. They can enter a body because of severe trauma, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. They can come in during an operation, you know, while someone's in the hospital. So there's many, many scenarios and it doesn't really matter what age someone is. It can happen shortly after birth. It can happen at any phase during someone's life. So that's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> Hello, friends. 
Have you heard of PEMF or Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Technology? I want to tell you a little bit about the Centropics Cloud. The Centropics Cloud is an at-home bioresonance frequency device. With the cloud, you can protect yourself and optimize your wellness anywhere you go. It supports molecular activation, energy, endurance, performance, rapid recovery, mental acuity, stress reduction, sleep management, deep relaxation, and much more. The cloud has the most effective frequency range of any at-home bioresonance frequency device. With the cloud, you'll experience up to 20,000 amplitudes per second through eight large coils and reach a wider molecular range in the body. Regenerate your batteries and keep your inner vital forces at full speed with the Centropics Cloud. Just visit GetTheFrequency.com or click the link in the description to take control of your health today. No, that's this is this is fascinating. Now I want to go back to um, to your story. Whenever you first came in and were first experiencing your your new life and your new body, you actually went to um, doctors to kind of clear uh, that you weren't sick anymore. Did you have any um, like tests done or anything after that? Yes, actually, I did. And the one thing that happened, all of my symptoms went away. And so they had absolutely no explanation. So, of course, they did the blood test and they did the scans and they did this, that and the other. And they found absolutely nothing. And so, you know, I have documented medical illnesses and I also have documented medical recovery to where everything is gone. And they had absolutely no explanation for it. Now, when you were working with your spiritual counselor, you said you did some a series of shamanic journeys to kind of find your spirit guides and get more information. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that process? Well, sure. So for me, uh, working with her, one of the first things that we started doing was working with the medicine wheel. And I had always... Um, had an aversion to anything Native American, which is so funny. I always looked at feathers as dust collectors and, you know, I never wanted any of that. And then all of a sudden I'm finding I can't get enough feathers and I, I can't connect enough with the ground. And all I want to do is pick up rocks and sticks. And, you know, I'm sitting here talking to rocks, which before I thought was ludicrous. Um, but what I began to learn about was the energies, uh, the creative energies of the universe. And I began to learn about my spirit guides. And through meditation, I began to meet my spirit guides. Now, indigenous cultures uh, throughout the world believe that we operate in what's called the middle world and that there is an upper, upper world which exists with um, non-incarnated spirits and there is a lower world of disincarnated spirits. And within this lower world or within our world, we're within the astral realm. So sometimes uh, what happens is as people are passing through these astral realms, they could get stuck and that's a disincarnate spirit that's stuck in an astral realm, like a, um, a, a high earth realm, but a lower astral realm. And so when you travel into the lower world, um, that's not Hades or hell or anything like that. It's just a different space in non-ordinary reality. 
But in that space, which is where I spend a lot of time, that is where it's very earth-like. It, but it may be that as you're walking on the grass, it'll say, excuse me, can you use the path and not step on me? So you never know what you're going to find. You also could find uh, past relatives. You can find your spiritual teachers there. You can find your guides there. And so when I would go to the lower world, it was kind of like an escapism for me because I was having a hard time digesting this physical world and what was happening to me. So I'd go into the lower world and I would just sit and talk to my guides. You know, we had this bench where we would meet under this beautiful tree and, you know, they would take me to different planets and to different universes. And they began to talk with me about dimensions and densities and all these types of universal truths, which, um, you know, I, I would hear it and I would believe it. And then I would have to come back and digest everything. And it took me years. And sometimes I'm still having a hard time digesting things that they have shown me. But one of the things that the Native Americans talked about was the web of life. And I really grabbed onto that through that connective aspect Because what I saw and what my guide showed me was like at the beginning of all things, this 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 energy that we call source or God. And as that energy uh, desired to know itself and began to expand, first, there was the sound and that that sound created light which created vibration, which created frequency, which then began to create oscillation. And these oscillating patterns began to form. And the next phase that happened was this expansion of the etheric body of source, which we call the void, which is full of plasma, of un, you know untapped in possibilities. But within that space, there are these Uh, blueprints that began to form the way that these vibrations and frequencies and everything were put together. So we have these blueprints and within these blueprints are various templates. And one of those templates of the unnumbered amount of templates, one of those templates is for what we would call an oversoul. And so this oversoul there's also universal templates. So we have a um, we have the universe, we have the oversoul of the universe, then we have galaxies within the universe. Each of those galaxies have an oversoul. Each of the planets have an oversoul. And I think at last count, they're saying what there's like 70 quintillion. I mean, I don't even know what a quintillion is, but there's like 70 quintillion planets. So each of those have an oversoul. And let's use Earth for an example. We The planet has an oversoul, but also has 12 experiential oversouls that are around the planet. And as a soul, one of the things we do when we incarnate into this planet is we want to cycle through all 12 of those before we exit. And that could be the unconditional love and compassion and forgiveness and, you know, sorrow, all of those energies that we want to go through and experience here on this planet. But then we have our own individual oversoul, which they called for me the Shantias Khan. 
And this is kind of like our own personal cloud storage, and it houses all of our information from every lifetime, every experience, good, bad, the ugly, everything is in there. And so when we incarnate, we only bring with us those tools from that oversoul, including all the choices that we will ever make. We bring all of that information in with us. And as it begins to get denser and denser, we start to call that our higher self. And when it attaches, that's the soul. But that action, that energy portion of everything is our spirit. And so they began to give me teachings like that. And of course, they had to give it to me over and over and over again for me to, I'm like, oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you sure? Because one of the things I do is I would have these experiences and then I would question it, you know, because as much as we are our souls, we also are human and we need to have a hundred percent human experience acting through our souls. And that's the beauty of this planet. We we have this veil of forgetfulness that uh, kind of enshrouds us, that keeps us from remembering all of our other lifetimes on this planet or any other planet so that we get to focus 100% on the human experience. And we get to wake up and remember who we are. So it's kind of like we're playing this ultimate game of hide and seek with ourselves. That's fascinating. Now, what did you learn about who you were in this other incarnation before you took over uh, Sheila's body? Okay. So for me, um, they said that I started out in the angelic realm. I was an emanation of what people would think of as the Elohim. I am not an Elohim, but I'm an emanation of the Elohim that was kind of like a worker bee in the angelic realm that helped to create other angelic beings. And in that space, the vibrational frequency name that I was known by was Nuala. Okay. And so, um, that that's the vibrational frequency. And so from there, when I decided to leave that realm to have, you know, a plethora of other experiences, I incarnated as Palladian. I've incarnated as Lyran. I've incarnated as Arcturian. I've incarnated as Syrian, uh, Orion, every pretty much all the the constellations and galaxies within this little known universe, some even outside, but within this known universe and the Andromedan system. Now, as a soul being before I became earthling, you know, because I can now add that to my repertoire of, you know, planetary experiences. But prior to my coming here, I had moved into a state where I was no longer in a body. And so that would be like at least a seventh density being, because that's where we begin to lose the physicality of ourselves and we become pure consciousness. And I had merged my consciousness with other consciousnesses. And together we created what's known as a collective. Okay. So within this collective, we were traveling in the Andromedan system and we were way out almost to pass through the outer edges of the Andromedan system into this other space. I don't know what that other space was called, but 
I do know it was very important for us to go there. We were basically on a scouting mission, and I just discovered that within like the last six months working with Misha Johnston uh, in past life, or not past life, but in, you know, regression therapy. And so in the Andromedan system, we actually were uh, there to discover this For a lack of better terms, it was like this black mass that was coming towards the system. It was very slow moving, but then it could also move very quickly. But when we saw it, it was just very slow moving. It was this mass. Um, And through the hypnotic session, I found out that it was actually AI. But over to the right, there was this, I mean, massive ship. And it literally shot these... For lack of a better term, it was like these webbed fingers around this eye and started pulsing some type of frequency into it. And it began to shrink or whatever. So we left and we were coming back from that experience when we heard Gaia or there was a vibration from Gaia that came out and she was looking for assistance. And so we left that space and came Gaia. And as a collective, we joined with other collectives who are surrounding this planet, working on the crystalline grid, and we're infusing it with light codes to help people wake up. We're sending unconditional love. We're sending support. We're sending the ascension frequencies, basically, so people can help to wake up. When the soul of this body cried out to be released, this soul had been an aspect of the Arcturians. Now, every person's soul that's listening to me has imprinted on the cellular structure of the physical form that we're in. And so there was already a framework within this sick body that was Arcturian. And it was decided I would be the aspect to enter into this form. And I came in bringing more of those Arcturian frequencies so I could easily meld with this body without frying the neurology and the biology because it was very sick and it was very weak and it was very depleted. But this framework was there. And so over time, as this framework, as this body healed, it was almost like there was this instantaneous cellular healing that eradicated the illnesses in the body. But then I had to learn how to eat properly and to drink properly and all those kinds of things to get the health of the body up out of the toilet. But during those times and up until this time, I've continued to bring in more and more of the frequencies uh, from my collective. Okay. And so right now, I'm operating more as an Andromedan than an Arcturian just because of the type of work that I'm doing. All right. Now I want to, we got to explore some of these aspects. Um, Hopefully if we have time, I want to get to the differences between some of what some of these beings are. But first I want to get your understanding of what this is. Um, You you know, is, are we in some sort of 
simulation or is this reality here for our personal spiritual growth? Is this something that uh, a, um, a version of us or a version of our soul created for ourselves, or has this always been here? What is your understanding about our purpose here in this reality? Okay, so um, there, there's a couple questions in that. So let me first answer about the soul. If you'll remember earlier, I talked about the Shantias Khan or what people would think of as like their personal oversoul. That is so large that we can actually be having many experiences on many planets all simultaneously without depleting the energy of that oversoul. And so we could be having an earth experience right now in this third dimension, but we could also be having an earth experience in the seventh dimension, or we could be having a parallel life experience, or we could be here and also having an experience in the Palladian system or in the Arcturian realm. We could also be in another universe all simultaneously. Why do we want to even do that? It is for the growth of our souls. It's for the experience. The more experiences that we have, the more information we consume. The more information we consume, the more knowledge our oversouls have. And when we all eventually send up all that information to source energy, there's more and more information about all the various aspects. Because you have to remember, Source decided to fractalize in an effort to know itself, to know what it was like as the creator to be the created. And that's what we are. Okay. Because we have chose to experience the created aspects of a human being, or we've chosen to create the aspects of an Andromedan. Or we've chosen to create the aspects of whatever it is that we're choosing to incarnate in at any time. Why? Again, it's for the experience. And on the other side, and because I still connect in, I'm still connected fully with my collective and they send information. We run information up and down. When I do my sessions with someone, I just bring in more of my collective energy so I can give them a soul reading, let them know where they're from or let them know who their spirit guides are or their life plan or whatever it is that we're doing. But I use that energy of my collective right now on this planet because of the personal work that people are doing, they're continuing to raise their vibrational frequency, which allows more of their own personal higher self to incarnate into their body without being a walk-in. But like in my case, you could say, I'm kind of boots on the ground. And there's a very strong walk-in program in the Andromedan system with the Arcturians, with many of the other um, galactic cultures that are out there, because there is this non-interference. They can't be in a spaceship and beam all this information down to us because it's, you know, would be considered interference. But what happens if we come in as a soul aspect and we have to wake up and remember who we are? That's not interference. That's remembering. Okay. So it's, you know, we have many, many people at this time on the planet that are 
walk-ins that are star seeds that are waking up and remembering who they are and where they're from, all in an effort to help raise the vibrational frequency of humanity. Now, as far as the your understanding of what space really is and space travel, you were talking about how uh, you remember that you were with this group um, and you were traveling through some galaxy. Now, everything that I've come to understand in the past few years, that especially the traditional model of space and what we've been told by space agencies and NASA and the government – isn't really what they're portraying and I have a very uh, kind of agnostic view of what is behind beyond our atmosphere I have no idea but I'm starting to disbelieve in traditional space travel and rocketry and things of that nature but I have no idea what this is and if it's even possible to to pierce through our atmosphere I want to get your understanding of space space travel and are these beings actually coming visit us on ships or is there different methods for them to kind of um, come in, in and out of our reality? It all depends on the dimension and the density in which they're operating from. Okay. So density, um, like first density is where you have, like on this planet, first density is like your uh, bacteria, the gases, those types of things. Second density is where they begin to take structure and you've got like your plants, your animals, etc. Third density would be the human form that we have now where we're, you know, we're solidified. Fourth density is where you're part in form, part out of form. By the time you get to fifth density, it's even higher in your more, you know, like in your light body. But by the time you're in the sixth density, you don't need a body at all. Because I look at right now, everyone on this planet is in their light body. Okay. And the light body being the encasement for the soul energy. But by the time you get into the sixth density, you're just pure consciousness. And by the time you're in the seventh density or not sixth by the time you're in the seventh density, you're pure consciousness. By the eighth density, you start forming collectives of consciousnesses, okay? And like Gaia was like an eighth or a ninth density being that chose to place her consciousness onto this planet Terra. And so we refer to her as Mother Gaia. And so, but she's a conscious being who's also having an experience of evolution. Now, I'll get back to that in a moment. But I say this because everything on this planet that we see is a holographic projection, everything. When I look like when I'm looking at this screen right now, I, I see you, but I also see the pixelizations that make up you. I see the pixelizations of everything around. I look in my room, I see pixelizations. And sometimes it's, you know, I'm trying to train myself to look through or past the pixelizations. So like, all I do is see the screen, you know, but more and more I see, I just see the pixelization. So everything is a holographic image, period. Okay. We are a reflection of everything that is. Yes, there are ships that travel and it depends again on the density. They're also in our atmosphere. I see ships all the time. I have photo. I mean, I've got so much evidence. of. It's just like 
I don't even take them anymore. It's almost like boring to me. I mean, it sounds terrible, but it's like I see this stuff so much and know it to be real so often. I'm just kind of like, hi, you know, I don't even take photos and stuff, but they're everywhere. Every if you could see all of the ships, it would look like a super highway out there. However, there are devices that they use to project the back project. Okay. So if there's clouds behind them, they can project the cloud look in front of them that shields them. Okay. So there's many, many, many different technologies that keep shields, that keep uh, things shielded. Now, more and more people are starting to see them. Why? Because there's going to be a point in time when they do reveal themselves, when the frequency level is high enough that people will accept and not drop into fear because they cannot cause fear. Okay, so I hope that answered the question. There is space. There is space, but there's everything is holographic. Okay. Even once you get out of this planet, it's all holographic. It's a projection. And really, you know, the Native Americans say that uh, when we dream is when we are alive, when we really are ourselves, when we are having the experience we are now we are awake in the dream time. And so right now they consider this the dream time, the great dream. And so the reason for that is none of this is real. I mean, really, it's not. And that's one thing I try to tell people. Yes, we're experiencing the experience is real. Our family is real. Our pets are real. The computer is real. But it is a mass agreement We've all agreed that this is a computer, that this is a dog, that this is a screen. But really, it's nothing more than this holographic image. I understand. Hey, that's uh, that's something that I have been uh, looking at a lot lately. I've had plenty of guests that we've covered these same topics, and uh, it's fascinating. And also, when you look at what they're doing with uh, modern uh, physics quantum physics and things like that uh they're starting to even modern science is starting to kind of realize that our reality isn't physical like we think it is right and look at the electric universe theory that's what the native americans were talking about being the web of life how we're all connected through these electrical impulses everybody on the planet is connected well the electric universe is not new Native Americans have talked about this forever, mm -hmm. but now science is starting to qualify what the ancient people have known all along to be true. They also have now been able to prove that humanity has a soul or that humans, individuals have a soul and they're able to measure the plasma generation, the electrical field of a human while they're alive and when they take their last breath. And immediately there is a weight loss. How can that be? Immediately there is a weight loss. And there's also a shift in the plasma field. And so they are attributing that now to saying, yes, we can qualify that a human has a soul because of the plasma generation or the lack thereof. Now, for me, when my guides were beginning to show me about how there was this expansion process, everything is plasma. 
That's the way they explained it to me. It just depends, you know, like the planet is sitting in this plasma field, but the planet also is just the way it's twisted, the plasma. Okay, so now we have a we have a gaseous state that now becomes a ball that becomes a rock that becomes an inhabited planet. Our DNA is a twisting of plasma of sorts, if you will. We all are made up. Everything is plasma, which is the etheric body of source. Now, do you think that there are high levels, uh, clandestine groups, uh, secret uh, factions of our government that know about everything that you're saying right now and work very diligently to keep the rest of the world from finding out about this stuff? Personally, absolutely, I do. And a lot of them, you know, base it on the Luther, you know, the uh, Luciferian theories mm. because they're say, you know, they say, well, Lucifer being the son of God, of source, whatever, was this bright light, was this emanation that agreed to come down to this planet to give humans the opposite experience of light. And they say, how great of a being would that have to be to do something like that? And they start to follow in those footsteps. I believe that's where, the, look at the Illuminati. Mm. beings of light you know all of these things have these luciferian overtones to it but yes we all know that there are a certain number of families that own the entire world that all companies have a parent company that you know if you go back and you start tracing companies you'll find out that some of the companies that we think are in competition are all owned by a parent company you know, and it's just an illusion, a marketing ploy that they put out. So, yes, there absolutely is a control mechanism. Some people, you know, say it came that humanity as a species is more likely to be subject to these controls because of the influence of the Anunnaki's, uh, which were another society that came to the planet. They were mining gold, supposedly. Some people say that they reduce the number of strands humanity has because supposedly that thought process also says that we were incarnated from angelic beings and we had our uh, DNA shifted and, if you will, dumbed down to the to the two strand DNA. Some people say, no, we were a species that really was low um, mentality and some of the Anunnaki Inky, for example, came in and infused more DNA and, you know, gave us more strands, made us more intelligent, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of different stories out there. But one of the things that I have come to know is I think all of these stories have a grain of truth to them. I don't think there is any one faction on this planet, including myself, especially myself, that has all the answers to anything. Any answer that I give is from my perspective only, from what my guides have taught me. And your guides might teach you something totally different, depending on where they are, you know, what their experiences are. Are they a fifth density, a ninth density, a seventh density? What knowledge do they have that they're sharing? And so when someone says, oh, I had a reading from a lady and she said X, Y, and Z, but you're saying X, Y, and Z. And it's like, and you know what? That's because our guides are giving us information. We are looking, if you look at a wheel, 
a medicine wheel with a person standing in the middle. It depends on what side of the wheel that you are looking from as to what you're seeing in the middle. And so it doesn't mean that they are right and I am wrong or I am right and they are wrong. It's all a different perspective of where what our viewpoints are at any particular time. Now, there are those uh, that have done a lot of research into these areas of entities that either have humanity's interest in mind or maybe more malevolent towards humans. What are your thoughts on this? Do you, there are some that believe that there's some entities that even kind of hijacked our reality and are in control of us, kind of siphoning our energy. Uh, but there's also different belief systems that, you know, we have that these negative entities uh, are also kind of in this cosmic battle with our, our ancestors and they're held at bay. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, again, I, I believe everything. I do. I believe all of it. Do I believe that there is a portion of our reality where, yes, we have been fed this huge lie and we possibly could be a source of fuel for other entities? Absolutely. Do I believe that we are a group of beings that is working towards our sovereignty and knowing who we truly are, raising our vibrational frequency for an assumption? Absolutely. That's because of the duality on this planet. You can't have duality if everything operates in light. Or you can't have duality if everything operates in the darkness. I do believe that there are many, many experiments being run on us as a planetary species. Some people have said there are 22 different experiences depending on the group of beings that are working, but everything again goes back to source. You cannot have the light without the dark. And so I always try to, you know, people tell me I'm a perpetual Pollyanna, but that's the way I choose to live my life. People are like, oh, but this is happening and that is happening and it's so bad and we should get angry. And it's like, really, I'm creating something different for myself. So my world is totally different than someone else's. I'm focusing on creating a new earth in my mind. When I hear of all these other things, I'm like, huh, isn't that interesting? And I just keep going back. I don't buy into any of the dogma. And that's how I think that there are so many different programs running on this planet because my truth is definitely not your truth and your truth is not the next person's truth and their truth. You know, we might have some things in common, but because there are so many programs running, everybody's getting a little different experience. Now, earlier you were talking about the different types of, of beings such as Palladian, Syrian, Arcturian, uh, Andromedan, all of this. And it's uh, – for me, hearing all these different names, you know, it doesn't really mean much because I haven't had any experience with different types of beings. I've had plenty of guests who have claimed to and have had claimed to have uh, – very close relationships with some of these beings. I want to get your understanding of what their interest is in humanity. Are they a form of our ancestors? How are they linked and why do they care so much about having these interactions with us? Uh, 
You know, personally, I do believe that we are linked to all of these societies, if not in a physical way, definitely through our souls. We are all a, um, you know, kind of like a Heinz 57 when it comes to our soul energies, because we are beings that are eternal. And therefore, eternity is a long time. We don't just sit around on a cloud drinking cappuccinos, having conversations with our friends. You know, we have lives. We work. Sometimes people are working in between dimensions. Sometimes they work in a solid dimension. Sometimes they're helping to create a new universe. Sometimes they're having an experience like we're having right now as an earthling. Sometimes they're having an experience as a Palladian. I think all of us on this planet are a a genetic makeup within our souls of all of the various races because of the energies that we bring in. So now I I do have a friend who is pure Arcturian, and that's a story in and of itself. But most people, when they come in, like me, I've had Arcturian lifetimes, but I've also had Palladian lifetimes. All of that is imprinted within my Shantius Khan, all of that. And so I can't say I'm just a pure earthling that just happened to form when Gaia began her gaseous state and have been here throughout the whole time, I can say I've had all these other experiences that are making me who I am today, just like with our family trees. You know, I have Native American, I have um, Celtic, I have German, I have English ancestry that all makes up the physical form. And I also have a soul genetic from all of these other experiences that I have had that have imprinted and become part of my soul. Very excellent. Now, uh, I 100% have noticed in the past couple of years a major shift in what you want to call awakening in people. Um, it's unavoidable. Um, even some of the my closest friends that I never thought would even come close to looking at some of the things that they're looking at, to having the ideology and changing their thoughts on government and all the things that uh, that are happening right now. I find it very hopeful for our future that so many people are actually kind of switching on and uh, becoming enlightened, if you if you will. Um, what is your idea of what's happening right now and how far do you think this is going to go uh, as far as where we're headed as a collective? My personal belief in the things that my guys have shared with me is that something most definitely happened December 21st, 2012. It also happened way before then, but December 21st, 2012 was like the pinnacle when this massive wave of photonic energy washed across the planet, waking up 100% of the population moving them from 3D to 4D. Now, let me explain that. People say, that's crazy because people are still operating the same way. 4D, as they have explained it to me, is like a garden where all these seeds have been planted. And some of these seeds come to fruition. Some of the seeds do not. 
But everyone in 4D has this opportunity to wake up. Many people were not ready within their physical or mental bodies or their souls themselves to make this transition. And so they clung more furiously to 3D than ever before. They became even more greedy. They became even more hostile. They became, you know, even more evil than what we would have thought. While other people began to move up to the upper spectrum of the 4D, moving into the 5D consciousness. Now, we're talking consciousness levels here, not the physicality of the dimension or the density shifts. But when we're in 4D, our consciousness being in between is kind of like a um, a teeter-totter. I think that's what they call them. The little teeter-totters where one person sits on one end, it goes up, and then they go, you know, so they go back and forth. That's kind of what 4D is like. So we one day may be feeling this elevated sense of spirituality and get a phone call and bam, we drop right back down into that 3D. That's because we haven't fully made the transition into 5D. So again, in our consciousness level. So people now are in the mass population of this planet is in that upper 4D and has already moved in to 5D consciousness and some even into 6D consciousness. And you know the fruits of that because People are becoming much more spiritual in their conversations. People are releasing the anger, the greed, the frustration, the materialism. They're letting all of those things go. Doesn't mean that they still don't have their stuff, but they don't look at their stuff as a way to fulfill them inside. Okay. And so as we continue to elevate our consciousness, I want to move back now to the conversation about Gaia placing her consciousness in the planet. Gaia herself is moving from one state of consciousness to another. Now, because our physical forms vibrated at 7.8 megahertz, as does the earth, which means we're connected in through the Schumann resonance. Because we vibrated a similar frequency as Gaia is having her energetic spikes, which sometimes these frequencies, the human frequencies have gone up. They've been recorded 24. There was one that I saw that was 52 and it come, you know, so it's vacillating. So does humanity because we're linked together through our electromagnetic systems. Now, when Gaia is having her spikes and we have our spikes, We receive more light codes coming in, but that also activates us within our consciousness that allows us the higher we can continue to go, the more often we continue to have these high spikes within our frequency range of thought, the more likely we are to stay there. Okay, and so as Gaia is having her awakening or her ascension, those who are ready will be ascending with Gaia. Now, why do I even bring that up? They also showed me that like a fist of 2012, this being the earth, and you take your other hand and you cover it. And the hand that's covering it is the etheric body 
of Gaia. In 2012, the two began to loosen and they're still connected. And if you bring your fingers out, it's kind of like you have two little eye holes that you're peeking through that center point, that vesica Pisces, that is the fourth dimension. When humanity actually makes the physical break, when Gaia's etheric field actually breaks away from the planet, there will be people who are resonating at that high enough frequency that they will go with her. And that is what people are calling the new earth. So that's why I wanted to bring that full circle. Now, when you're saying ascension, will this, um, I know you, you refer to it as a consciousness ascension. Uh, does this eventually have any kind of physical effects on our reality? It will, because we will move into a higher vibrational state with Gaia, taking our physical forms, which will become more light body in nature. They'll become much more light, but we'll still, we'll still look like ourselves, only a younger version of ourselves, but we do retain that physical form in that state. Now, like for me, I've asked my guides about this a hundred times and they showed me all of the things that we just talked about, but they said, I will go back with my collective. And so I will not be going to a new earth. I will not stay with the old earth. I'll be going straight back with my collective, and then we will proceed as normal. Now, um, before we close out, could you explain a little bit more about what light codes are and how they affect us? Yeah, light codes are... um, They're energetic frequencies. And when I imagine a light code, I imagine it in um, like a capsule, you know, like a tablet that you would take, but in a capsule form, the light codes are on the inside and what's covering it is not a capsule, but pure light. And this is, these are DNA sequences. These are universal sequences. These are codes that um, because like our human form is kind of like a computer and we can feed new programming into it. So when these codes interact, it's like it's opening up and giving new programming information for our physical forms, for our mental, our emotions, for our soul structures. And so these light codes are basically universal information that then combines with us in whichever form it takes to raise our vibrational frequency or to give us new information to be able to connect us in maybe more firmly with our higher self. Right on. And um, you would say that everyone has the ability to receive these codes, right? Absolutely. Every time we walk outside and we're in the sun, the sun is constantly streaming new codes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is one source of information for us. And I always encourage my students to go outside every morning and to make sure that the sun can shine right on their chest, right in the middle of the chest where the thymus is. Because when we bring those light codes into the thymus, first off, the thymus is you know, where we are producing our white blood cells. So it can start to help fortify our physical bodies. But more importantly, the thymus also, there's a conduit of energy that goes straight up into the pineal and into the, um, 
I guess you would say like the third eye covering, there's a little place called the Li-Tue. And the Li-Tue is kind of like this lens. And from the thymus up to the Li-Tue that's inside the pineal gland, then these new light codes and information can come in and be stored and then activate and be assimilated. Why the pineal? Because the pineal is the mother gland to the... um pituitary gland, which is the mother of all the hormones. And then it begins to slow and open that information. It seeps out into our physical bodies. And then it begins to interact with our chakras as well, providing new information. Maybe it's clearing our meridian system. Maybe it's helping to clear, say, a liver. Who knows what the light codes are designed to do, but they will interact with us through this pineal gland. Come in through go up and interact. And you said this, uh, this new earth that we will be experiencing in our future. Do you think this will happen uh, within our lifetimes? I'll be honest with you. I firmly believe that. And I've asked my guides and guys, they haven't said, oh, yes. Now on January the 16th, you know, they haven't told me that. But I cannot believe that I would have come to this planet and experience the things that I'm experiencing and be given the information that I've been given and come in with such a um, urgency to be a way shower if it were not happening in my lifetime. And if it doesn't happen within the next 20 years max, I will be totally surprised I, I believe that if we have 20 years left on this planet, it, you know, there's a lot of people says, you know, we've only got a couple years left. And I'm like, woohoo. Awesome. Let's go for it. I'm ready. Right. Right on. Well, Sheila, this was fascinating information. I'd definitely love to talk with you again in the future. Before you head out, let the audience know where they can find your books, if you have websites, social media, all the good stuff. Absolutely. Please visit my website at SheilaSepi.com. That's S-H-E-I-L-A-S-E-P-P-I.com. I have several other sites that are referenced there that I would encourage you to visit. And also you can find my book there. I talk about it. It's called Walk-Ins Cosmology to the Soul. It is sold on Amazon in the paperback. It's in ebook as well as uh, audible books. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sheila. This was great. And like I said, we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Yes, it was. Until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. See y'all then.